righteousness, for they shall be filled. This is the beatitude we're going to talk about today is blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, a lot of uh, you probably thought right about when I said hungry and thirsty, you were already thinking about lunch. But we're going to talk about a different appetite today, which is a spiritual appetite. But there's a lot of comparisons we're going to make here today. One of the important things to remember as we continue to look at this is that each of these beatitudes are building off of each other. That if you're going to be, if you're, if you're poor in spirit, then you're able to mourn. And if you mourn, you're meek. And if you are meek, poor in spirit, and mourning, then you are able to be at a place where you develop a hunger and thirst for righteousness. They're all essentially building off of each other. Basically, you got to go low in order to continue to grow. And that's the principle that we're teaching here, is that you start with humility and you begin to develop from there. But let's talk about hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's been said that humans, uh, human beings are what they eat. And uh, I think there's a little bit of truth to that a little bit. We are what we eat. But this is certainly a spiritual principle too, is that we are what we eat spiritually. Hunger and thirst is a, a natural thing we all understand because we've all experienced that. We've experienced hunger. We've experienced thirst. And what we do when we are hungry and thirsty is you don't have to force yourself to feed yourself or get something to drink. When you're hungry and thirsty, your body just automatically does it, right? It's a natural response to hunger and thirst. But Jesus tells them that they should hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now let's talk about that big word, righteousness. In the kingdom of God, righteousness is this. It's being right with God, it's being right with self, and it's being right with one another. That's righteousness. And righteousness is not an attribute that comes to any of us naturally. Righteousness is an attribute that comes to the redeemed of Christ. It's the ones that are in the right relationship with Jesus Christ. So therefore, we have been made righteous because of our right standing with God. And so the Bible also teaches us a little bit about the human nature and the world that our human appetite, our human standing, has this kind of desire that is contrary. 1 John chapter 2 teaches it this way. He tells them, he says, don't love the things of the world. He says, anyone who loves the world, the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, and he names these three things that are important for us to remember today. He says, the, the desires of the flesh, or some translations say the lust of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. It is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And what Jesus is trying to tell them is move away from a practice that loves the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, and get into a practice where we hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so to understand this idea of hungering and thirst for righteousness, we're going to look at somebody who kind of paved the way that didn't hunger and thirst for righteousness, but what it shows us about the principle. And that's in Luke chapter 15, a famous parable that Jesus taught that many of us have probably heard, even if you didn't grow up in church, it's a, a, it's a parable that we hear often, and that's the parable of the prodigal son. 
The prodigal son was someone that a parable that Jesus used to kind of exemplify how the father loves us. But there's some great uh, uh, just meat in this parable that are going to teach us about what hunger and thirsting for righteousness means. The first thing you'll see here, and we're going to read in Luke chapter 15 a little bit more, is that hunger and thirst for righteousness is something that starts in our hearts. Absolutely. And so the Bible says that this son, who was, uh, he had got an inheritance, he decided to take it, and now he's off with his life, right? He's got everything he needs, so he's out. And the Bible teaches in Luke chapter 15, verse 13, that not many days later, the younger son, he gathered all he had, and he took a journey into a far country. And there he spent his, his inheritance in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, I want you to notice here today, there are some specific words that Jesus uses in this parable that are very interesting. He says, when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country. How many of you know that it's not a good time to go broke is in a famine? And this guy went broke in a famine. A famine arose and he began to be in need, right? That, was the, that just is the way it happens. So he went and he got a job with one of the citizens of that country who basically sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. Uh, it's really ironic that he had a job feeding pigs when he himself didn't have money to feed himself, uh, his own self. And so the Bible says in verse 16, this is really interesting, that he was longing to be fed. Isn't that pitiful? This guy here, he had, all, he had a huge inheritance. And now he got to the point where he was longing for food. He was longing to be fed. He just wanted somebody to give him something to eat. And so therefore, the Bible says, he longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. So it came down to the fact that he was longing to be fed so much so that he desired to eat what the pigs were eating. Now, I don't know about you, but I've seen what pigs eat, and it's not what I would want to eat. But that was what he had. It was no choice. But then the Bible says this, that when he came to himself, basically he woke up. He got out of his slumber. He, he realized that, wait, something's not right here. He came to himself and he said, how many of my father's hired servants have enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? Basically, he was saying, my father has people that work for him that have enough bread, but here I am, his own son, and I don't have anything to eat. He was hungry. He was looking for food. He was, he was beginning to inside have hunger pangs. Now watch what happened. The moment that he realized that his hunger began to bother him is when he did something about it. And in verse 16, he says that I will arise and go to my father. And I'm going to, basically he says, I'm going to repent. I'm going to tell him everything and just make things right. But it's interesting here that in the parable of the prodigal son, that it was the hunger that he had inside of him. It was the longing to be fed, which was what pushed him back to the father. You see, the parable of the, the prodigal son teaches us about a hunger that is not a thirst for righteousness, but was a hunger for reckless living. And that's what he did. He spent everything he had and wrecked his life and got to a point where he realized he couldn't even meet his own needs in his, in his own life. And so now here he is stuck in this place. And so I want to show you a few things about this today. Is number one is that hunger and a hunger and thirst for righteousness is a sign of spiritual life and health. 
as we showed here, it was the prodigal son hunger that made him realize that he needed something more in his life. One writer put it this way, is that God has put eternity into our hearts and the temporal cannot satisfy. In other words, unless we find relationship with God some point in our life, we will always be searching for something more and longing to fill that void that is in all of us. God created us that way. I think there's even studies that show in our brains that there's this little part of our brain that lights up when we engage in spiritual activity with God. We were designed, our bodies were designed to be in relationship with God. And God intends to meet our hunger and thirst for righteousness. Jesus said it this way, I am the bread of life, and he who comes to me will never go hungry. He also said this one to the Samaritan woman, that everyone who drinks the water of the well that he was showing before them, but ever, whoever drinks the water that I will give him shall never thirst. In our own physical lives, we will always be hungering and thirsting for something more. But the Bible teaches us that if we get into right relationship with God, that we will develop a hunger and thirst that can be satisfied by God alone. This is interesting here is that the believer who has a hunger and an appetite, it's a, shine, it's a sign of showing our, our health. Right, The first thing that is a sign of something wrong with somebody physically is when they lose their loss of appetite. Right, That's a sign of the beginning of a descent into an illness. It's when there's no longer a hunger, a natural hunger that arises. That people have to be force-fed or whatever it is. Uh, one of the signs of spiritual health is when we have an appetite and a hunger and thirst for righteousness, just like our physical bodies. It's a sign that inside things are good. When we're longing for more, when we're desiring God, it's a sign that we are in right relationship with God. So a hunger and thirst for righteousness, it's a sign of spiritual life and health. It means that you are alive. Listen, dead people are not hungry. But if you are alive, you have an appetite and you long for something more. The second thing we're going to see here is that a hunger and thirst for righteousness is a sign of spiritual maturity. It means that inside that we are beginning to grow. And that was what happened in the parable of the prodigal son, that he woke up. He came to himself. For a moment, he got a little bit more mature than he was about 20 seconds before. And he realized, I need to go back to my father. I need to repent. I need to go about the right way of making things right. And so therefore, he began to make this progress. Hebrews 5 teaches this way. As he began to talk to the people, uh, Paul, or the writer of Hebrews, he said this. He says, about this we have much to say, and it's hard to explain, since you've become dull of hearing. Wouldn't that be hard to hear? The writer of Hebrews tell him, basically, you've become deaf. You can't hear what I'm trying to tell you. For he says this, for this time, by this time, you ought to be teachers. But he says, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic principles about the word of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Basically, the writer of Hebrews tells us that there ought to become a place in our life where we take the word of God and we're not just people who consume it, 
anymore, but we become people who share it. We become disciples, right? It's not just something that we absorb in our lives. A sign of spiritual maturity is that you're not just drinking milk, but now you know how to prepare the meal. You know how to put it together a little bit. It's a sign of that we are beginning to grow in our faith. And so the writer of Hebrew was, was telling them that now, since you're not growing, we need to go back to the basics. We need to go back to the foundations of the Word of God and begin to learn over again so that you can grow. You know, apathy is the greatest enemy of hunger. When we get to the place in our spiritual lives where we no longer care anymore, where growth doesn't mean anything to us, where our relationship with God becomes secondary, we get to the point that it's just apathetic. It just kind of, it is what it is. There's no growth then that is the enemy of hunger. And what happens when you don't get hungry is you don't eat. And when you don't eat leads to, yeah. We've got to be able to get to the place where we hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's like the church that Jesus wrote to in Revelation. As he began to write the letters to them, he told them is that basically they fell out of love with Jesus. They weren't back to the, his first love anymore. They began to love other things more than God. And he began to tell them, you've done many things right, but you need to come back to your first love. Just like the writer of Hebrews said, you need to come back to the basics again. You see, if you've gone into a descent where you're not growing anymore, the Bible doesn't say that's the end for you. That means that you can begin to correct your path as you begin to get back to the basic principles of the Word of God, developing a hunger and thirst for righteousness, developing a fresh heartbeat for the Father again. So a hunger and thirst for righteousness, it tells us we're healthy. It tells us we're mature. And a hunger and thirst for righteousness is a pursuit of holiness. Now, when we talk about the word holiness, and especially in the context of the Pharisees, the Pharisees saw holiness as this, uh, or this completely different idea. They thought that if they did all of the rules, if they, if they did everything right, then that they were going to be holy. But what Jesus actually showed them is that Jesus stood up one day and said, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, then you have no part in the kingdom of heaven. So in other words, that tells us that holiness is not about keeping the rules. We all fail at that anyways, right? We can never do it as kids and we still can't do it as adults, right? We all break rules. It's not about conforming to rules. Holiness is this pursuit of God's righteousness. In other words, being right with God, being right with one another, and being right with self. It's this idea of pursuing the inner man of being right with God, getting the motives right, not the exterior right. And that's what the Pharisees did. And when Jesus stood up and he said, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, to the people that were hearing that, they almost probably thought of that in a bad way. Because when they thought about righteousness, they thought about the righteousness of the Pharisees that was all based on imagery. And they equated it to being something bad. But what Jesus was trying to tell them is that if you'll get it in your life where you hunger and thirst for being right with God, you will be blessed because of it. God's favor will be upon your life in that way. It must have come as a surprise when Jesus basically equated being holy and happy as the same thing. But this is what he wanted to show them is this life of pleasing the Father. 
seeking to pleasing the Father and cultivating a hunger for holiness, it brings about a remarkable change in our lives because you know what happens? When you seek after righteousness, you become more like God, not yourself. We have to get to the place where we hunger and thirst for righteousness. I want to do that. How about you? Now let's go back to the beatitude here as we begin to wrap this up. The Bible teaches that, as we read here, as we've read on every beatitude, that Jesus tells them that they are blessed, are the poor in spirit. I want you to think about these for a minute. We're building our lives here. This is changing me as I'm thinking about these. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. But they're not just blessed, but he tells them why they are blessed. He tells them what will come from that practice, from living and abiding in right relationship with God. And the thing that God promises about hungering and thirsting for righteousness is this beautiful thing, is that they shall be filled. Isn't the greatest devastation of humanity emptiness? Isn't the greatest devastation to look around our world and see people who do not know Christ and that there's a sense of emptiness? But God promises that if we will pursue after him a hunger and thirst for righteousness, that they shall be filled. You know, some translations use the word satisfied, and really that's not the best word to use in, in this to translate this word. Really the best word to use is that they shall be fed or they shall be filled because it implies that someone who was once empty is now full. Satisfied is not enough. Filling means that we're putting in. And when you are seeking after God's righteousness, God says that if you will chase after me, if you will desire who I am and desire me, above all else. I will promise to impart who I am into your life. It teaches the principle of John 15 that if you will abide in me, Jesus said, I will abide in you. It's this principle that if you'll get to the place that you hunger God more than anything else in the world, God promises that he will also be in your life more than anything else in the world, that we will be in right relationship with God. This was the story of every person who pursued after God. Like Moses, you read in Hebrews 11, the Bible says that they desired something more. Everybody else didn't understand. They talked about the things of the earth. They desired riches. They desired wealth. They desired all of these things. But Jesus showed them that they desired something that was a heavenly reward. They were seeking after God himself. And God promises that those who will seek after him shall be filled. Musicians are going to come. The, likewise, the Bible teaches us in First Chronicles that the eyes of the Lord are roaming throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. I love that Bible verse. In Psalm chapter 2, the Bible teaches us that God is seated on his throne. He's high and lifted up, right? We talks about him being there. Isaiah talks about that image in Isaiah chapter 6. And many others record this image of God sitting on his throne. And it's amazing to me that God is looking over the earth to find somebody who is looking to him. That's basically what the scripture teaches us. At the eyes of the Lord, they're roaming throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. 
In other words, it's kind of like this. God is looking down on the earth in the way. And he's looking for that person among everyone else, among all the world, whose eyes that instead of looking at everything around them and trying to trample other over people and succeed and do this and that, instead, they're trying to get closer to God. Instead, they're not trying to bump arms or wrestle with the things of this world. Instead, they've put their eyes to the Father. And they said, Lord, I want you more than anything else. I desire you. And the Bible teaches us that God will strengthen that person. This is a powerful thing here today. And this, is, this is a principle of the Word of God. That if we'll get to the place that we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we shall be filled. This is also speaks to us as a church today as I begin to reflect upon this. This isn't a prophecy. This is the word of God. That God teaches us that the best days are ahead of us when we'll get to the place that we hunger and thirst for righteousness. We don't hunger and thirst for fame, fortune, we don't hunger and thirst for our pride, but we hunger and thirst for God himself. And God promises to fill that person. Just like the prodigal son, I love this story because it gets better. This prodigal son, he, he, he woke up from his hunger, he decided. And you know one of the first things that the father did to him when he came back to him? Is he didn't just go get him, go get him a pack of Ritz crackers out of the cabinet. He said, no, go get the best calf we got and make sure that he's fed. And this shows us that if you'll get to the place that God has his best for you, if you'll hunger for him, God longs to fill us. And this father came and embraced him and put his arms around him. And that's what God so desires to do in our spiritual lives. All of us here today, maybe you're at the outcast person. You don't know the Lord. You're far away from him. You're needing something. You're discovering that there's a hunger inside that needs to be full, filled. Or maybe you're somebody who's been in the faith for a long time and that hunger and thirst is no longer there. It doesn't matter. The promise is, is blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. God wants to fill us today. But are you hungry and are you thirsty? Can you stand with me this morning? I told you about my friend Melody, and I thought about her. Melody got in the place in her life. She hungered and thirsted for righteousness, and God promised her something, and she was filled. How many of us need to be filled today? Fill us, restore us. Maybe you're away from the Lord today. That's all right. If you'll just call out to him. Remember, it says that the Lord is just looking to strengthen those. Just like the prodigal son came and repented before the father. That's the first step to getting that hunger and that emptiness filled in our hearts is that we would get to the place we say, Lord, I'm sorry. And God says, it's not my delight to leave you in a place of starvation. But if you'll come to me and repent, I will fill you up. I will satisfy your soul. You will be renewed inside once again. Would you close your eyes with me today? If that's you this morning, you're here today. You need to be filled today. You need to be seeking after righteousness, getting right with God, getting right with self, right with one another. 
I want to encourage you today to call to him in your own way. You say to me, Charlie, I don't know how to pray. That's all right. You just tell him. Just like you'd go to McDonald's and tell them you want that Big Mac because you're hungry. You tell the Lord, inside of me, God, I am just so hungry. I don't know how to fill it. I need you. I long for something more. And God says, I will fill you up. Lord, today we come to you with hungry hearts, longing to be fed like the parable of the prodigal son. Lord, we long for righteousness today. God, we're not longing for the things of this world, the pride of life, lust of the flesh. Our delight is in you, Lord. Oh, God, that we may be like the psalmist. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. God, today I want to thank you for filling my friend Melody, Lord. I just think about her longing for righteousness, God. And Lord, may others have that same story, how I was hungry and thirsty, but God fed my soul. I was at a place I had nothing. I was so lost, but yet I reached up to the Father, and He came and filled my life. God, today we reach up to you today. We pray and strengthen those hearts that are committed to you this morning, Lord. We long for you today, God. We long for the blessing, Lord. We long, Father, for you to bless us and keep us, to lift up your face upon us, oh God, and be gracious to us, to lift up your countenance upon us and give us peace. Oh God, that you would bless us indeed, that your hand would be with us, that no evil would befall us, Lord, and that you might enlarge our territory, Lord. God, we make that our prayer today. Would you cause your face to look towards us, Lord? Look towards us today, Father. Lord, I speak on behalf of us as a church, Lord. God, we desire more, Lord. We desire to see the kingdom of God built right here, Lord. We're hungry and thirsty for righteousness, God. We're hungry, Father. So, Lord, would you do your word and fill us today, God. Renew our hearts, Lord. Strengthen us today. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. We'd like to continue to pray. I want to invite you to pray at your seat. Stand where you're at today as the choir sings. But let's pray to the Lord as they sing this morning. God, we want you today. We just desire you.